Well, good morning. We want to welcome all our campuses as we come together to, to look at God's Word, to study God's Word, apply it to our lives. A couple things before that, I want to remind you that all of our campuses exist to develop followers of Jesus Christ. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, we want you to help, a, help you take a step closer to a relationship with Christ if you don't know Him yet, or a step further along in your relationship with Christ. And if you're uh, new with us, or if you're a guest of ours, and you haven't gotten plugged in yet, I'd like for you to open your programs just to the front page right here to see your next steps. And we want to invite you to do one of three things. We want to ask you, one, if you'd like to, we have connect classes that go on at all of our campuses, and these are classes that allow you to, to get to know a little bit about our history, uh, get to know our vision, get to know where we're going, and you can, our doctrine, and you can determine if this is the place that uh, you really want to invest uh, into the community. Uh, we can also go through a 12-week Bible study that helps you nail down the the essentials of the Christian faith. We call that living grounded. You can do that one-on-one. -on -one. You can do that um, uh, couple with couple. You can do it one-on-few. -on -few. You can do it in a class of maybe 10 to 12 people. We have those going on all the time, so you can get involved in that. Now, to serve in, in many significant ways of, of teaching and leadership, we need uh, you to be a member but if you're getting in and you say, you know, I, I, I want to know about this church more from the inside, we have places for you to serve. And a lot of people will come in and uh, get involved in some service and, and really get to know the church through that. So we have opportunities there. If you have any questions, you can call us, you can email us, or you can go to biblechapel.org and get any information you need in a starting point uh, in all the lobbies of every campus and uh, we would just love for you uh, to make this journey with us. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we open his word. Father, we thank you today that you are good to us in every season, in every situation, whatever we're going through in our life. You know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we need. And you know, Lord, exactly what you are going to give us to get us to that next stage of the journey. We pray, Father, that you would speak to each one of us today as only you can do. Your word says that you are God and you are a shield about us. You are our protector. You watch over us. Your word says you are our glory. You're the lifter up of our head. There may be some here today whose head is downcast, whose heart is downcast. And I pray, Father, that you would be the lifter of our heads I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Father, we are praying today as we're crying out to you that you answer us, that you speak to us, that again you give us exactly what we need to do what you are calling us to do. So Lord, we come together as, um, as a body of Christ. Uh, we come together to sing to you, to interact together, and now from all of our campuses, we want to pray together as your Son, our Savior, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. So we've been involved in a study we've called Unselfie, 
We, not me. And our whole purpose of this study is to deal with that inherent part of every one of us and would be not telling the truth if we said it wasn't happening to us. We're about ourselves, aren't we? We think through life, we think through situations, through the lenses of our own heart, and we always think of ourselves first. And this series has been aimed at trying to help us work through that, trying to get us away from so much self-focus, self-absorption. We said in this uh, words, uh, to get over ourselves in order to live beyond ourselves. Because as long as we're focused on ourselves, we can't be focused properly on God, and we certainly can't be focused on those around us and how we need to interact and, and help each other along the way. We've used a couple charts to help us think about uh, this aspect of we, and when we talk about we, not me, we're starting with our relationship with God. That's where it always starts. A relationship with God is the most important relationship we're going to have in this earth and throughout eternity. We're going to talk about some horizontal relationships today, but those are all after we have a relationship with God. The Bible says that our hearts are not going to be fulfilled. Our hearts are going to have a hole in them. There's going to be a God-shaped void. Ecclesiastes says God has put eternity in our hearts. And until we have a relationship with the living God through his son Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for our sin, that void is not going to be filled. And we'll talk uh, the next times about marriage, and we'll talk about family, the we-ness of marriage and, and family. But so many marriages struggle because they're trying to receive from a spouse what they can only receive from God. And you cannot find the satisfaction, uh, the, 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 the input into your life, the love into your life from a husband or wife that only can come from God. So it's got to start with uh, God, and we want that relationship to grow deeper. We want to be further along tomorrow than we were today. We want to be further along next week than last week, next month than last month, next year than last year. And that is balls in our court. How are we going to do that? How are we going to grow in our relationship? The other we is horizontal, and that is our relationship with others. And we want that relationship to grow richer. We want people in our lives who will speak truth to us. You know, so many people want people in their life who will tell them what they want to hear. But we need people throughout Scripture. We're told, get people around you. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Wounds of a friend availeth month. Get someone around you who will speak into your life, who will help you on the journey, who will sharpen you and make sure when you're taking a detour that they are grabbing you back and keeping you on track. So the we begins with God and it then flows to others. We'll see that in our passage today. The second thing we want to see by way of review is we began in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and there we saw that life was great. Adam and Eve were in this perfect relationship with God but again Genesis 3 Satan comes and tempts Adam and Eve and they bite and they fall and we've been fallen ever since. That's where we are in a fallen state from God. We are separated from God. We can't get there on our own. And so God loved us so much. 
He demonstrated his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. And it was Jesus who took on our sin. He bore our sin in his body on the cross, paid the penalty for our sin, and through Christ, we now can have a relationship with God again. We can have that during our life, and we'll have it through eternity. So the life that we're living now looks something like this. It's kind of up and down, right? There are good days and bad days. Here in the Southfields, we sang a song about every season of life. God is good in every season. And sometimes we fall. Sometimes we falter. Sometimes through God's strength, we have the victory that we need. And we see through every season, God is good to us. But here's the, here's the, here's the path we're on. Here's the journey we're on. And we still need in that journey to keep our connection with God because that's where it flows from. And we're going to see today we need to keep our connection with other people. And how do we respond to other people? And how do we do this thing together? I want us to look mainly today at a passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2. And you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 11. As you're turning there, I want to kind of set the context of that passage with a story from the New Testament, a story about Jesus and his disciples. Uh, through this series, we've shown selfie pictures, we've shown selfie portraits, and let me tell you a selfie story that happens in Mark chapter 10. Two of Jesus' disciples went to Jesus and asked him an interesting question. There were two brothers, James and John. And they had been with Jesus for about three years at this point, and you would think they would have probably thought twice about asking this question. But when they go to Jesus, they said, Jesus, we have a request from you, and we want you to give us whatever we ask. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Sometimes our prayers are like that. Lord, here I am, and I want you to give me whatever I ask. Don't ask any questions. Just provide, produce what I want. So Jesus said, all right, well, what do you want? And the two brothers said, well, you're going to come into your kingdom one day, and you're going to set up your kingdom, and when you do, we want prominent position. We want to set one of us on your right hand and one of us on your left hand. Well, that was a pretty big request, right? And the other ten disciples, it says, were incensed that these two brothers would have such gall to ask Jesus this question. Now Jesus often used the circumstance around him to teach. And so it says in chapter 10, verse 42, that Jesus called his disciples to him, and he used this as a teaching moment. He said to them in verse 42, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentile Lord it over them. You know how it works in our culture. Those who are leaders, those who have authority, those who have power, Lord it over other people. And their great ones exercise authority over them, but we don't do it that way here. It's different here. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. 
first, you got to be last. Powerful, that's the servant. And then Jesus says this, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not willing to do. I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not going to do. I'm going to show you exactly what this looks like. For even the Son of Man came not to what? Be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Unselfishly. Not the focus on himself, but to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Now, that example of Jesus is kind of fleshed out in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Other passages as well. But this is a great passage that reminds us that our uh, love for others flows from God, because again, that's where we have to start always, the vertical. And then it can flow to others around us. So what I want to do is just to work through the 11 verses, uh, first 11 verses of chapter 2, and make six observations. We'll camp out on a few observations more than others, but six observations. Here's the first one. An unselfie life begins with Jesus. It always begins with Jesus, and then it flows to others. It has to have that route from Jesus to others. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, Paul says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ. So let's just stop there. Paul is writing in the conditional. If there is. And he's not saying, you know, maybe sometimes there might be some encouragement in Christ. He uses the conditional to emphasize the point. To emphasize the truth. So we could say it like this. Since there is encouragement in Christ. So let's just stop there. You find any encouragement in Christ? The one who would come and die on a cross for our sin? Paul says, since there is encouragement in Christ. You got that. You believers, you have that. You own that. You live that every day. Since there is comfort in his love going through challenging times of life, times when it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. Some of you are going through those difficult times, and there's comfort in the love of Jesus. Any participation with his spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in you, giving you everything you need, every, every, every empowerment you need to do what he's calling you to do. Uh, any affection, any sympathy, since we have those things, since... God has given those, those things in Christ. Paul says, now complete my joy. By what? Since you've got it vertically, now you've got to show it horizontally. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love. Being in full accord and of one mind. In one word, what's he talking about? Unity. Show the watching world that from Jesus, our focus, focus is not on us, it's on Jesus, and from that flows this, this overwhelming, beautiful picture 
of unity as we live this life together with Christ as our head. Second observation is the title of our series, A Selfie, An Unselfie Life is Not About Me, It's About We. Look at verse 3. This is a tough one. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. We could spend a lot of time on that one, or trying to apply that one, right? That's a tough one. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now that does not mean we should not be passionate, ambitious people, urgent about getting the things done in our life that God has called us to do. But remember, our ambition has to flow from Jesus. Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be passionate about? How do you want me to live this life? Not selfish ambition, but selfless ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Some uh, translations say the ESV just says conceit. But in humility, count others, what? More significant than yourself. And again, that's hard. Because we see life from our lenses and we think things should go our way and we want to make sure they go our way and it's hard for us to say someone else should be benefiting, not me. Someone else should be lifted higher, not me. That's not in our nature. But again, the Christian life is supernatural. It's counterculture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests. So Paul says certainly we have own interests. We need to do things for ourselves, but not only to our own interests, but also we have to live beyond ourselves. Look to the interests of others. Family struggle when we don't apply those verses. When a husband or a wife is kind of the center of the universe of the home and everyone else is little planets orbiting around him or her. When a friendship is looking out for one person instead of everyone else. Relationships, community. God's calling us to live beyond ourselves, to look out not only for our own interest, but also for the interests of others. Now, beginning in verse 5, Paul says, that's a pretty high calling, isn't it? That's pretty rough. That's going to take a lot to apply. So Paul says, let me show you how it was done. Let me show you the example. Let me show you what that looks like. He says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus. Have your mind set like Jesus. And then he goes through and gives several things that Jesus was and that Jesus did. And it's interesting that when he says, Have this mind of Jesus, the first thing he says is, Who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So the first thing he says was, let's just make sure we understand who Jesus was. He wasn't this carpenter 
walking uh, on the dirty roads of the dusty roads of Jerusalem and then uh, he was a victim uh, to the Jewish and Roman system and put on a cross he was God himself he was God himself he was in the form of God and yet being in the form it doesn't get any higher than that right being in the form of God he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped that means that while Jesus was on this earth he set aside he put down his divine powers and his divine privileges he was willing to leave heaven itself to come to earth he was willing to use his deity not for himself but for others think about that the, 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 the whole reason that Jesus came to this earth was to use his godness, his deity to be that perfect sacrifice for us on the cross that's the third observation an unselfish life uses personal advantages for the sake of others man we see that in Jesus don't we who being God didn't consider equality was something to be grasped he laid aside the independent use of deity in order to die on a cross for our sins now what does that look like let's think about that what personal advantages do we have that we should lay aside for each other if Jesus did that for us and we're Christians right the word Christian means what little Christ's we're followers of him then what advantages do we have that we should use for others let's just think through them some of you are in positions of authority you run uh, entities organizations you run businesses and God has placed you as head of that company as head of that organization he has given you the gifts to do that he's given you the, the the skills to do that he's given you the training to do that you didn't get there on your own God put you there will you use that advantage that he's given you for yourself bigger better faster or for others Christ used his advantages for others how will you use yours how will I use mine God's given us spiritual gifts. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. 1 Peter 4.10. And we're to use it for other people. We're to use it to serve others. Are you using your spiritual gift? If you're a believer, there are two things you should know. What's my gift? And where am I going to put it into practice? Now, it doesn't mean you have to put it into practice on a Sunday or a Wednesday night or any other day here at the Bible Chapel. What it means is you've got to put it into place somewhere in ministry because you're in ministry every day, all day long. And so wherever God is you, calling you to use your gift, that's where you have to use it. But you have to use it. So what's your gift, that advantage, and how are you using it? For some of you, God has blessed you financially. He's really blessed you financially. And our culture says, when you're blessed financially, what do you do? You just buy something bigger and better and faster. That's why God gives you more money, so you can get something else. 
But scripture over and over says, that's God's money. He gives it to you as a special advantage to be used for him. How are you going to use your resources for his work, for his purposes in your life? Some of you have a, some of you have gone through some tough experiences. Some of you have gone through divorce, and you know what that's like. Many people say divorce is worse than losing a spouse. The constant reminder. I was, I was reading something this week. Uh, it, 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 the, the, the headline was, uh, What um, Hollywood Stars Say About Divorce. And I thought, oh, this will be interesting. And, and so I read through it. And you would know some of the stars if I, if I said their name. And every one of them were saying, Man, I never saw this coming. This was one of the most painful things that ever happened. Uh, I, I thought we were going to work through this. I wouldn't wish this on anybody else. What a reminder that the pain of divorce, some of you have gone through that and God has brought you through the, to the light at the end of that tunnel and you can use your experience for those going through it feeling failure and rejection. That's what a lot of them said. I just felt like failure. Feeling the failure and rejection. You can say, what? God's going to get you through this. God's going to help you through this. Some of you have lost a spouse and you know the the, the deep emotion of grief. You know what it's like not to want to get out of bed in the morning. But God has brought you through that. And now you can use that to walk with other people who have lost a spouse. You're going to be able to speak to them in a way no one else can. Use that ad- advantage. Maybe you wouldn't call it an advantage, but an advantage for God's purposes. Some of you have, have fallen into sin and you've fallen hard but God has forgiven you and he's redeemed you will you use that experience to help others there's a guy here uh, a friend who uh, years and years ago uh, went through an affair and God in his good grace um, uh, brought him back and restored his marriage and uh, it was a beautiful thing to see it was painful but a beautiful thing to see. And so when I know of someone going through an affair or, or uh, toying with it, I call this guy and I say, hey, I need you to meet with someone. And he always says, I wish I didn't have this experience. <laughs> but since I do, and God has redeemed me, give me the number. I'm happy to call. How will you use the special experience, the advantage that God has given you? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and through 4 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Check this out. Who comforts us in all our trouble. Let's just stop there. Aren't you glad of that? Now look at this, so that, so that he comforts us, not just to hoard that comfort, not just to hoard that experience, but he comforts us so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. 
That's our calling. How are we going to use what God has given us to share with others in our life? Number four, an unselfie life serves others. Again, this is some basic observations here. Look at verses six and seven. Have this mind uh, among yourselves, which is, is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being made, born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. First thing there is, Jesus taught us to serve. He emptied himself. Now that does not mean that he somehow um, poured out of himself his, his deity or parts of his deity. He was God, fully God, all the way through. It simply means that there was a time when he set aside his deity and he did not use his deity independently of God. He made himself nothing. He says that in John chapter 6 verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my, I came down from heaven, here's my reason for being here, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. He set aside his deity, the independent use of it, to do the will of the Father. Will we do the same? Well, we set aside our independence to submit to God. Took on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Fully God and fully man. And then, the last observation we see in the next verse, Jesus not only came to serve us, but he came to be our ultimate sacrifice. Look at verse 8. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. And Paul would say, have this same mind that's in Jesus, that's Jesus's. What sacrifices will you make for others? A couple more. Last one, or the last one, and then I'll close with, uh, with one. So uh, I do have a couple more after all. Okay, number six. Number five. An unselfie life glorifies God. Look at verses 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Check out the next verse. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Not just believers. As believers, we're going to bow and say, our Lord, but others are going to bow and realize they missed out on the greatest gift of life and eternity. Every knee will bow. And every tongue, not some, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself and God glorified him in that process. Jesus said in John chapter 8, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. Just think about that. Apply that verse. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. If I self-promote myself, my self-promotion means nothing. But if I live in obedience, in submission, in service 
to God and then show that to others, it is God who says, way to go. The great blessings of being honored by God himself. One more thing to wrap this up. Jesus came, died on a cross, to forgive us of our sins. Have this attitude in yourself that was also in Christ Jesus. All the things that Paul's been talking about in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, are focused on Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' service, his doing this to forgive us our sins. The last two times we've talked about Psalm 51, that we can go to God in whatever we've done, wherever we've been, how, no matter how dirty we are, God forgives us. And now, as we take what God has done for us vertically, the question is, will we be willing, are we willing, to forgive others? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. We, we don't do that here. We don't do that in the Christian life, or we shouldn't do that in the Christian life. Along with malice. And then that's what you don't do. But here's what you do. Be kind to one another. Just as God was kind to you, now you be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, not about just you. It's not about self-promotion. It's about allowing God to get glory through your interaction with others. Here's a tough one, isn't it? Forgiving one another and then we say, well, wait a minute, God, you don't know what that person did to me. You don't know what you're asking. And so Paul says, well, I think, I think God does. Because we're to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Someone hurt you. You don't want to forgive them. But we sure run to God and ask his forgiveness when we rebel against him, don't we? Paul says we forgive each other just as in Christ God has forgiven you. As we wrap this up, let's just think about that for a little bit. Are you willing to forgive others? Are you willing to take that person who hurt you and say, that hurt, but God's forgiven me and I forgive you. Are you willing to extend forgiveness to someone who has hurt you? To someone who has come and, and done something that wasn't right? Are you willing to extend that forgiveness just like God extends forgiveness to us? Now, I understand this is complex and we've done whole series and sermons on forgiveness but just for now we know that there are times when you might say you know I, I, I want forgiveness 
I don't want my family to be disrupted anymore. I don't want a relationship to be disrupted anymore. I want forgiveness, but that other person, they don't. And that's just real life, isn't it? It's the way it works. And so, Paul tells us in another book how to deal with that. Romans chapter 12. There's a great passage here, Romans 12, 9 through 21. And in my Bible, uh, it says, The Mark of True Christians as a title. The Mark of True Christians. I won't go through all of it, but verse 18 says, If possible, as far as it depends on who? The other person, right? You live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you. You can't, you, can't, you can't fix another person. You can't manipulate the heart of another person. You can't make another person say whatever you want them to say in the way you want them to say it. But if possible, as far as it depends on you, you are in charge of you live peaceably with all. As we wrap this up, um, let's ask you to bow your heads for a second. Let's just think through a time of, of prayer here. And let's ask God to, to deal with us on this. Maybe God will bring someone to our mind and we need to write a note. We need to make a call. We need to, we need to have a meeting. We need to do something because we have this vertical relationship with the Father and we love the forgiveness there. How will we apply that to others in our life? How will we reunite family or friendship or relationship? In God's timing, in God's way, as far as it depends on us. So Father, we bow before you and we're asking if we don't already have a, someone in our mind we're asking that you bring that person, if there's someone that we've hurt, that we can extend forgiveness. Or someone that's hurt us, and we can forgive. Paul tells us that we've got to put bitterness aside. We can't let it grow in our heart. The root of bitterness eats us alive. It just robs our joy, and it robs our growth. It's a, it's a cancer that, that eats away at our heart and doesn't allow our heart to be tender toward you, forgiving toward you, doesn't allow our heart to be in, in, in a place where we can really serve and, and sacrifice and use the great advantages you've given us for your purposes and your will. And so, Father, we just take second, just us and you, to reflect on a relationship in our life that we need, to, uh, we need to deal with. So in this just minute of silence, help us to think through what we need to do in order to obey you and, and follow you in this area of grace and mercy and forgiveness.
So Father, now give us the courage to follow through on the things that you've been speaking to us about. It's easy to, to move on to the rest of the day, to go watch the games, to take our mind off of you and what you've been telling us, but don't let it drop from our hearts and our minds until, Father, we, uh, we ask, we do what you are asking us to do. Speak to our hearts. Thank you for the strength that you always give us to do what you want us to do. And we claim that in Christ's name. Amen.